Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casser les Lignes, the French football podcast with the accent. And uh, since it's the international break, we decided to make a, a bit of a special pod with, uh, with a very special host. Uh, I am joined today by Zach Lowy, Zach from uh, Breaking the Lines and, you know, Zach that I've, I've joined recently. Uh, Zach, how are you, man? Thanks for being here. Bonjour. Um, yeah, Bonjour. it's a pleasure to be here. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm very glad to be on Castellelin. You know, I've been enjoying this podcast a lot. So so yeah, I'm I'm super excited and uh and really excited to be yeah, definitely getting getting into this discussion today. Really appreciate having you on. Uh you know, of course I'm sure everyone who listens to Castellelin uh no knows Zach, but uh but I was I was pretty humbled honored to uh, to join the breaking the line uh group a few a few weeks back and I'm and I'm happy to be uh blah blatching about French football uh, all along. Before we get into our pod, maybe for our listeners that are not, um, you know, that um, aware of what you do at Breaking the Lines, you just want to talk uh, for a minute or two about uh, Breaking the Lines and, and what you do over there? Yeah, I mean, with regards to Breaking the Lines, uh, we pretty much do a bit of everything, honestly. I mean, I I'm the co-founder of Breaking the Lines and uh, I'm in charge of, you know, running working on articles, editing them, getting up, uh, you know, working with podcasts and stuff. So we've really been, you know, expanding a lot over the past few months. And uh, I've been very proud of it in terms of expanding our podcast material. I think we've done a great job of that. Uh, yeah, look, if you guys haven't listened to, you know, Cortalinas, the podcast about Portuguese football is amazing. And, and uh, uh, the tactic uh, podcast is great as well. All the articles are, are definitely quality. Uh, so yeah, good, really good to have uh, Zach here. Let, let's sort of dive in into what we're going to talk about. So international break, of course, there's going to be a bit of French national team playing. Um, so we're going to discuss, you know, what to expect for the next couple of games. Not that are going to be uh, the most interesting games that France has played, but, but they still have um, some worth. And then we'll quickly kind of like recap a little bit what we've seen in Ligue 1 since the beginning of the season. France to start with. So a couple of games to play this this week at home against Kazakhstan and away against Finland to wrap up the um, World Cup qualifier to Qatar 2022. France basically just needs a win out of those two games. I mean, I'm sure even a couple of draws would be enough. Uh, and they get through to, to the World Cup, which with their group, you know, France, Ukraine, Finland, Bosnia-Herzegovina and, and Kazakhstan, you wouldn't expect them not to go through, uh, but there's a chance that they go through undefeated, which is always good uh, for, for morale. Of course, France won the Nations League uh, last international window last month. Zach, I mean, you know, I know that you you follow France um, from, from close. What did you think about um, the French national team, I guess, post-Euro trauma? The, the post-Euro trauma? Um, I mean, with regards to the post-Euro trauma, I think... I, look, I think that France were, it, it is fair to say that France were the biggest disappointment of the Euros. Um, you know, they have the, I would say, the, the most quality of any squad in the world. And a team like that, you're always going to expect to get to at least the semifinals and at least, you know, play decent. And, and France did neither of those. Mm. Um, so I think it's fair that there was some, you know, some, I guess, some criticism. You know, it's, it's, it's obvious that... Uh, French people and French fans like to complain. Um, and I mean, obviously you're going to get that, right? <laughs> um, but I, I also, I feel like some of it was overblown. You know, I think uh, Giroud came out this week and said something like, like Benzema messed up the balance or something of those lines. And basically like blaming Benzema for that stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, But, you know, sometimes it's not your year. You know, sometimes it's just not your year. And it wasn't France's year. Um, but with that being said, I, I do think that they have the most quality of any team in in football in, in many areas. Um, and, you know, that, that gap may not be as big as it was in 2018. 
I, I it definitely isn't as big. But but with that being said, you know, they they will be considered a threat no matter when. The and you know I think it's very friends as well to to start the Euro with a uh, with a proper uh, proper football game against Germany uh, and to resist Portugal and then to uh, to get taken out by by Switzerland uh, and we've seen that at the Nations League right now they play against um, um, Spain and Italy uh, and and they, sorry Belgium and Italy um, and they and they really show up and they really decide to actually play the football that they're supposed to play and then they win those games. Uh, is that do you think always going to be the issue with France? They just really level up against the big teams, and then they will always run that risk of being surprised against, um, I guess, smaller nations. All due respect to them. Yeah, I think I think that is an issue with France. I mean, I think that the thing is, I mean, France found a way to win and uh, stay defensively secure in 2018. And the the fact that it worked so well, I think, is always going to you know cause Deschamps. Uh, or whatever the manager is to to stick to to stick what what's been giving you results, but I think that's that's almost caused some harm for France, and I think they are playing under their potential to a degree, and you will often see that like when you play when you see this France team play against other sides that that want to do the same thing and then sit back and soak up pressure, they don't really know what to do. Um, but I mean, I, I do think that France's switch to a wing back system it has. It, it, it can, has the potential to, um, to cover up some of those flaws and make them less predictable. So I, I do think, I, I do give Deschamps credit for recognizing that it's becoming a bit predictable. It's true. It's, it's probably one of the first time in, in Deschamps' career that um, the issue technically was the defense. I mean, you know, Switzerland, you're up 3-1 with 10 minutes left and then you're going to concede uh, twice. And uh, it's just not as... as tight as it's been in 2018 where as you said the whole tactic was uh drop down and and you know defend low and then operating counter-attack with Mbappé that was relatively unknown uh back then but now they can't play this way anymore because people know and, and I agree with you credit to Deschamps um to, to change that the defense though even with three defenders it's Varane when he's not injured and of course he's injured right now uh, and then it's either Kipembe or Zuma or maybe Kunde. It's just not as solid as it's been in the past, is it? No, no. I mean, with regards to the defense, yeah. I mean, it hasn't been as solid. Um, and I think that part of that is also due to individual declines. You know, I think that, for example, a guy like Varane is, is, has definitely not been as solid as he was in, in 2018, you know. Um you know, you, you have looking at other, it's, it's a bit ironic because France definitely have the best quality in terms of central defenders, but it's like they're, they're lacking that something, you know, for, I mean, I think that also finding players who fit a back four and finding players who fit a back three is, is a completely different thing as well. You know, I mean, that's something that like France as, as a nation, typically don't you don't typically see that right back threes i mean we've got examples like len um Mm -hmm. but they're definitely an exception right i i can't think of many other teams like that have traditionally trained with that so that that is definitely absolutely yeah i mean you have to you have to put that down as well the, the lack of defensive solidity it's really you know a a whole thing right it's like looking at the total you know looking at Look, you have to look at the entire picture, I think. Um, and the lack of defensive solidity is absolutely one of those things. And, and I think, interestingly enough, I was discussing that in, in another part recently, we were talking about the fact that there's less and less star strikers. And, and while we were digressing, we realized that we can't name a country that has a pair of central defenders that are world-class anymore. We can find... Like one, Italy, okay, but they're a little bit older. Um, Spain, one of the two. Belgium, one of the two. England, maybe one of the two. Um, you know, South America is about the same thing. Uh, and France had always had that, you know, tradition of being able to train and, and being able to get out of their academies four, five, six, seven world-class central defenders, which right now we have great defenders, but we don't have the, the start. Anyway, that kind of brings to, to the next topic with, when it comes to France. If the defense isn't that good, there has to be a shift in tactics, which Deschamps has done, and you have to focus on where the talent is. And 
you know, undoubtedly the talent for France is up front right now. Karim Benzema is in the form of his career and at past 30 years old, it's definitely commendable. Uh, Kylian Mbappé is, is getting stronger and stronger as it goes. And then there's Antoine Griezmann, who's, you know, uh, having ups and downs, but you have uh, people like Diaby, Martial, Coman, um, strikers coming left, right and forth and center to, to play for France. Do you think that's the time for Deschamps to consider, you know, I guess Sampaoli style in Marseille, it's okay to concede three goals as long as you're going to score five? Is, is that why you think Deschamps should go? I mean, I wouldn't say it's as black as white, black and white as that, but yes, I mean, I think right now the talent for France is definitely up front. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, it's, it's interesting because they don't quite have the same depth that they do in defense, but when you look at just the quality of those guys that they have, um, you know, Griezmann, uh, who, who, like you said, you know, has, is sort of growing into his time, you know, had a, had a tough start at Atletico, but is gradually, you know, growing back into his best form really seemed to like only needed a, you know, a bit of time adjusting to it and uh, had a good performance against Valencia on Sunday. Um, you've got Mbappe, who I, I would say has been PSG's best player so far. Um, Benzema, who, you know, is, is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I thought, I thought it was just pretty ridiculous when people tried to blame Benzema for, for their Euros thing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I can't say that I'm, I'm a fly on the wall for the France locker room. But if, if there's anything that, that, that brought the team down because of Benzema, it was, it was definitely, you know, off the field or locker room related stuff. It definitely wasn't on the pitch because Benzema was France's uh, best player in the Euros and, you know, was played, played a key role, obviously, in their Nations League. So I, I think that's a bit ridiculous. And of course, we haven't talked about, you know, some guys who aren't getting the call up, Christopher and Kunku. Plenty of other guys, you know, who who could, who in my opinion, could play a massive role for France, but uh, for whatever reason, aren't getting that call to Le Bleu. Um, but I I think that the the talent is definitely up front, and as a manager, you need to be able to mask your weaknesses and play to your strengths. I think that part of what we're seeing from Deschamps is is an effort to do so. I couldn't agree more with with Benzema and, and how ridiculous those claims are, and I think you know. To, to talk broadly about what happened in, in the French national team, I think Giroud is paying now the the things that he's said in the media and that he keeps saying in the media by not being called in, in the French national team. That's very Deschamps to, you know, not wanting anybody in the team who's going to talk shit about the squad. He's, he's protecting his locker room that way. And if Giroud is not going to, I guess, drink the Kool-Aid and, and agree with whatever Deschamps' choices are, then Giroud is not going to be in the French national team. Very much like the reason why Benzema wasn't in the team uh, for, for probably about five years. I think Benzema coming back in actually offered an outlet to Gilles Deschamps to say, sure, your defense isn't that good anymore, but look how good those three up front can um, you know, combine together, adding, of course, players like Pogba or even Rabiot, who sort of looks good when Benzema is around him, uh, or, or when Chouameni came in even. I think Benzema is definitely bringing in that leader role that Griezmann had lost a little bit when he was at Barcelona and, and hopefully he's going to come up. Benzema also kind of brings into a players like Mbappe the experience of a striker who has proven years and years in a very big club. And he's probably, you know, if anything, I, I would say that in the locker room, Benzema probably has that um, that good influence because he's a humble guy, despite how he's being depicted in France. Uh, where he's probably telling Mbappe, just just relax, slow down, keep working, keep working, keep working. Because if anything, Benzema is the worker. You've seen them playing Benzema, Mbappe, Griezmann. What did you think about, um, I guess, how they understand each other on the pitch and, and how they develop their football offensively? I like it. I mean, I think that um, there needed to be a change from the previous thing, you know, I think that looking at what, what worked so well from from 2018, obviously, um, Deschamps needed to find that balance, which isn't easy to do. I mean, just look at Mauricio Pochettino at Paris Saint-Germain now, you know. But but he found that balance with Matuidi playing as that wide, shuttling midfielder, um, Mbappe playing off the right, Griezmann kind of in an interesting role in the 10 role where, you know, asked to cover a ton of ground, 
um, and, and work very hard, but, but also play, act almost as a link between midfield and attack. And then, of course, you have uh, Giroud playing as, as sort of a, I guess, a focal target man, a focal point. Um, and I think there was definitely some need to change that. You know, I think that uh, Deschamps tried to recreate the Matuid experience with Rabiot, which hasn't, in my opinion, hasn't really gone to plan. And, and sometimes instead of like trying to replicate the old blueprint, you need to f- find a new one. And I think that's, in many ways, that's, that's what Deschamps has done. You know, I think that, um, I think that getting these three players who are, you know, without a doubt, I think France's three best attacking players, getting them all on the same page um, is absolutely massive for them. And, and it's like, you, you have to, it's very hard to, to pin those all, to, to find the balance that will suit um, Benzema and, and these other guys, you know? So you've, you've got, for example, you've got Benzema, you've got Griezmann and Mbappe, all of which, you know, aren't necessarily considered like those focal points, you know, aren't really considered. They're all very technical, highly gifted players who you, you are used to being kind of, uh, shall we say, the, having, having a free role. So you need to find that balance. And I think that looking at what, what, what we're seeing lately, I think, I think that is what, I think that is what uh, Deschamps has tried to do. Personally, I think some of the personnel is lacking. And I think that part of that is due to Deschamps. Um, but overall, I think that, uh, I, I think that it's, it's the right move. And um, I, I, as you said, I mean, another thing is just finding the players to, to meet that defensive scheme. One last player I want to touch on before we move on from the French national team uh, is Paul Pogba. Uh, Pogba is instrumental in France. He's, uh, you know, one of probably one of the French fans' favorite player when you play with the French national team. Uh, and he always shows up when it comes to, to big tournament. I mean, I think he had a good Euro despite the results. Clearly, he had an amazing World Cup and he also was good at the Nations League. And yet, when it comes to his club performances... Uh, I'm not sure a lot of Manchester United fans are, are pretty happy with Pogba or with their team in general right now. Uh, what's your what's your feeling about Pogba? Is easy just a tournament player? Is that like is that going to be his legacy? Yeah, I mean Pogba, man, very hard to uh, have a discourse on this man. A lot of a lot of extreme opinions, you know. Um, I think that it, I mean. I, I definitely think he needs a change of scenery. Uh, I mean, just looking at the club aspect, I think he needs a change of scenery. I don't think it makes sense for Pogba or for United to renew his contract at this point. Um, and and I think that part of that is, is weighing down on his performances for international level. Uh, but at the same time, you, you still see those, still, still see his quality, I think a lot more for France than, than club, which is natural. I mean, France will... Will have France has better players than Manchester United, but not only that, France is also it will typically just play better than United. They have that they have that balance. Pogba, you know, knows I think his role a lot better um, in France. So at the moment, you know, despite his lack of form, I still think that you give him a pass, and I, I don't think you drop him from the team um, because you know he's just he's, he's done so well. Um, and, and frankly, I mean, I think that he's, he's one of those players who I'm not saying that he, he plays a lot better for international, uh, his international team than club team. You know, I don't think he's like, for example, Eduardo Vargas or like, (laughs) you know, uh, Lucas Podolsky or whatever, but he is one of those players who I think, you know, no matter how, how bad his moment is at the club level, I I think you still got to give him that chance to, to shine. Um, and I also think that his, 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 his style works very well with regards to, with regards to how France want to play football. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and I think, like you said, I think he's never going to be dropped because he does show up when he, when he comes to France and, uh, and France will need him at uh, world cup um, 2022. We're going to, we're going to close on France. I mean, I guess from what you just said, we probably are on the same opinion there. There was a lot of chat about Deschamps 
potentially needed to be dropped after the Euro and not playing on the World Cup, I do feel like he's still the man for the job. And we know that after the World Cup is finished because he's, he, he wants to go back to clubs, he even said it himself. Uh, do you think that he is the man for the job and that he can bring France to a to a third World Cup, a third little star on the shirt? I mean, I don't know if he's the man for the job, but I definitely think he's the man for the next 12 months, you know? Um, I think that any team who, like, even even a guy like Deschamps, who's done so much as a player and a manager, I think any team that tethers themselves to, to one coach because of their previous accomplishments is just bound to drop their standards and fail. Um, but for me, I mean, there's absolutely no question that he should be given the chance to to see this out and and you know either complete his cycle in Cutter or uh, or prove that he deserves another one you know so so I think that look the the Euros was an absolute massive disappointment okay and as someone like Deschamps you just cannot you you cannot justify going out to Switzerland and you know. Not only that, but but playing a very poor standard of football, um, you just can't do that. And and frankly, I think that there there's like I said, there's no question that Deschamps should be given the next twelve months and you know a chance to 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 take this team to Qatar and and you know hopefully get their three their third World Cup. But um, at the same time, I'm not I don't I don't see how you can look at France's performance and think that he should just be guarantee especially with someone like Zinedine Zidane you know just waiting in the wings um I I think that I think that having you know having having a change of scenery having a having a change of face is good for any team um no matter how loyal you want to be to to a manager and I think that a lot of national teams looking at you know even like for example Spain and Uruguay right with with Vicente del Bosque, Vicente del Bosque, and um, and uh, Oscar Tavares, you know, with with Uruguay, I definitely think that you you can argue that um, managers, legendary managers, managers who overstayed their welcome, uh, you know, caused, shall we shall we say, caused those teams to decline in some ways. So I think you need to recognize when it's time to turn the new page, you know. And that's something that France are going to have to decide soon. You know, that, that is definitely something that they will need to uh, have a discussion about. So I'm not, like I said, I think that with what Deschamps has done, he absolutely needs to be given the next 12 months. But frankly, um, I mean, Zinedine Zidane is a good coach. You know, he's, he's a very good coach. And I think that... Um, I definitely think that he he is holding out for that job, for that position as France manager. Um, I'm not saying that he would be a he he would have more success, but I, I definitely think at this point you have to at least give that uh, consideration. You know, uh, top class managers like him simply don't just not only are don't do they not grow on trees, but but they also aren't often willing to settle. Uh, for an international job, you know, which, you know, I would argue is, is probably a step down from Real Madrid. But so, I mean, the fact that he wants to take this position, it, it definitely it's it's definitely something that shouldn't be ignored. So I don't think it's disrespectful to Deschamps to say, like, OK, we, we appreciate what you've done for the team. Let's let's see how this World Cup goes. If it doesn't go so well, uh, your time up, your time here is up and, and Zidane can come along, you know. It's not like you're saying that he's a lame duck, right? It's not like you're saying that he's he's already been appointed a successor. I mean, Brazil basically confirmed that with with Tite, like yesterday with with Xavi's press conference, saying that like Xavi had been Xavi had been guaranteed, and basically saying that Tite was going to step down after 2022. Um, this is absolutely not 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 that. Okay, so you know you you have to understand when it's time to cut the cord. Um, and, and I think that for me, there just haven't been enough signs of improvement from France to suggest that Deschamps, uh, that, you know, no matter what happens in 2022, 
that you should be given the time. Right now, I I I definitely I'm probably leaning more towards uh cutting the cord after 2022 and moving on to the Zidane. But like I said, you know, it it really depends on how uh, Cutter goes. Yeah, and I think I think if uh, if all goes well and Deschamps does bring them to a to a third title. Uh, living on a high would be really, really beneficial for him because anything, I feel like anything else than reaching the finals, unless it's like a, a semi-final defeat against, you know, a big team or whatever, will be seen as another failure for Deschamps and then he's hurting his brand, basically. Um, so he's going to have to get there and sort of luckily for France, he's going to get there with the chip on his shoulder. So maybe he's going to bring France to, to, to the end. Uh, but I definitely think that he needs to be the one saying, I'm out. After that, and like you said, leaving the the room to Zidane, who hopefully by then will still be uh, will still be available. But we never know; everything uh, everything goes fast in uh, in football. Uh, all right, that that's for friends. Let, let's talk about um, the bread and butter, Ligue 1, and uh, and Ligue 1 has had a, a pretty phenomenal season so far. Uh, a third of the way through, thirteen games, and um, Paris Saint Germain is uh, is flying over the competition. But we've seen some some nice surprises um, behind them. Before we talk about domestic league, in European competition, Ligue 1 is having probably their best season in a decade or so. Um, you know, before the start of the um, of the Champions League, France was actually getting behind Portugal um, as far as the um, the UEFA rankings, and there was a chance that they would lose uh, a European qualifying spot next year. And then the game starts, and, and there are some hard some hard groups, some hard draw from some of the teams. And 24 games in, France has only lost, or French teams have only lost one game, 12, 12 wins and, and 11 draws. Not necessarily something that we saw coming. Uh, what did you think of the performances of, you know, Paris, Lille, Monaco, Lyon, Marseille? Ren, maybe we'll start with uh, with Paris and uh, their unconvincing great results. Yeah, I mean, it it has been, it's it's been interesting. I think that uh, Ligue 1 teams are definitely doing a lot better Probably the, the best they've done in, in, in Europe for a while. You know, uh, PSG, obviously, is, is you know, they, they didn't have an easy group. Um, in fact, you could argue they had the one of the toughest groups with Leipzig, Bruges, and Manchester City. Um, and, you know, I always joke that, like, Mauricio Pochettino is, is getting the most criticism for any coach has ever gotten for for someone who has like won pretty much every single game, and I mean with with reason, with with good reason. But uh, it it is kind of funny um, with with regards to that. Lille has been an interesting case as well. I mean, right. Lille are a team that you know have had a very poor season under Jose and Gorvenek. I think that I expect. I think most people who follow Lille. Would, expect them to take that step down um but it, it, they they have actually done okay um in europe which i think is interesting i mean looking at that group you've got what wolfsburg sevilla yeah and salzburg uh salzburg so you know obviously not many big guns there but at the same time it's like you know that, that is that is it's, it's fairly impressive what they have done um in the Champions League, um, I mean, I I think I think Monaco should be in the Champions League right now. I think they were very unlucky mm-hmm. to not make it past Shakhtar uh, in the qualifiers. So it, it it's a shame that they're not in it. But you know, given given how they've done under Kovac this season, I, I'm not sure if they'd necessarily be really, really you know punching above their weight. But yeah, Lille, it's it's been interesting to see. I mean, how how well they've done. Obviously, getting a win against Sevilla um, on you know last week, and I believe they've got matches with again Salzburg, Salzburg and Wolfsburg coming up. So definitely going to be interesting to see if they can. I think that would be that would be great if they could get into uh, the the knockout round of the Champions League. They could make some noise, Lyon. You know, despite their struggles under Peter Boz this season, they've been, I believe they've been perfect in Europa. Mm-hmm. Um, Monaco been doing pretty well. Um, I, I did, I was watching their match against PSG on thir- PSV on Thursday. 
and a bit unimpressed with pretty with boring the, game. <laughs> pretty boring game, yeah. Um and 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 yeah. So that I think that's one of yeah, but but they're I believe they're still on top of that table, which you know isn't a very easy group. And um Marseille on the other hand have been well, not was... great in Europe. Been probably the biggest disappointment of the French teams. Um, but at the same time, you know, they, they are still just a point behind Lazio, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that, you know, obviously getting, getting that draw did not help matters, but um, I, I think that, you know, they, they, they can still advance from that group and, who am I missing? Ren? I think that's yeah, the only that, team that I'm. I think that's the that only you, team that I'm missing. That yeah, I mean, Ren, conference league, right in the conference league, right? Ren, top of the table, doing a very good job. Um, you know, grinding out some some results, and uh, very happy to see Loic Bade, a player I've been following for quite some time since mm-hmm. his um, breakthrough season at at Len last season getting his debut goal um, against Mora, getting them that vital win. And I think he said after match, like, uh, you know, I, I'm this is my first ever professional goal. I had a goal with Leav that was, like, ruled out due to an, an imaginary offside. So, like, not, not forgetting after, like, three years or something that, you know, his, his goal got rid of that. But, you know, I, I, think that's, I think that's awesome, you know. That was a fun interview. <laughs> so yeah with with, uh, with Paris Saint-Germain let's let's try and spend a bit of time on on the club of the capital yeah. uh you know of course uh there were the talk of Europe the talk of the world of football during the off season uh getting most of their players for free and we're talking about Messi Donnarumma Sergio Ramos Genji Wijnaldum uh, only spending money on, on Hakimi uh basically uh and like you said Pochettino is getting a lot of slack for someone who's just getting results after results to 30 um, three, sorry, 35 points out of 39 um, this season so far. What What is the issue with Paris Saint-Germain? We just talk about them off the field. We talk about Akimi with the guns, Herrera with the prostitute, Neymar with the wine, and Icardi and Wanda and Ramos and the contract, and Mbappé in there, and his interview that maybe not is allowed during the last international break, and the entrance music that want to change. And we just don't talk about football. We don't talk about the fact that we should be talking about what's going on in in the rectangular uh, pitch. What is it you think the issue with with, uh, with Paris Saint Germain? It's just the egos. Poch is not strong enough. The team is just taking it slow because they don't need to be ready now. What's your feeling about it? I mean, I think yeah, part of that is definitely the egos. You have to remember these guys are are most of them are are superstars and. Even if they aren't, they're they're still getting paid like superstars. So I mean, I think that uh, I think you have to look into that side. You know, I think that Pochettino, anyways, didn't really know what he was getting into. I, I think that he he thought it was going to be as simple as going from you know from point A to point B. But uh, managing this PSG team is nowhere near like managing the Spurs team. I'll tell you that. And and you know you're you're dealing with guys who have who have made it at the top level, you know, who've established themselves and, you know, who, who know, maybe who know what they know, know what to do, who think they know what to do better than the manager, you know, which can be very tricky. So I really, I, I do, I have been disappointed by PSG, but at the same time, I think that a lot of the criticism on Pochettino is harsh. Um, you know, the fact is, PSG are getting results thanks to their individual, uh, thanks to their individual brilliance. But but at the same time, they've been pretty much perfect in Europe and the league. Um, you know they they've got a they've pretty much already wrapped the league up already. Um, and and so yeah, I think that some of the criticism is a bit overblown. To be quite honest with you, um, I'm not sure if there's many managers who could find that balance between. Messi, like Neymar, Mbappe, Di Maria, 
And it's like, you know, when, when he took off Messi against Lyon, everybody <laughs> slaughtered him. They're like, oh, you son of a bitch. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. But Icardi is the one who literally got the goal, you know? So, I mean, I think that just people love to find... It, it, PSG's issue is very complex. You know, it's not just Pochettino, who obviously, you know, needs to do better. But, you know, to, to say that he's the only one responsible, that's, that's just ridiculous. That's, that's absolutely ridiculous. People love to find an easy scapegoat, and uh, that's Pochettino. But don't get me wrong. He is, he is definitely responsible for, for a lot of this. Um, and I think that, uh, I mean, I think that, you know, for example, in the Bordeaux game, I was watching the Bordeaux game and that was, uh, that, that was definitely, I think a microcosm of, of PSG's complaints because they obviously going up and, and pretty much wrapping up the game early on via brilliance of Mbappe and Neymar, then, uh, instead of pushing for that fourth goal, Pochettino decides to bring on Idrissa Ganagay and Danilo Pereira. Bordeaux end up scoring two goals, and it's like a a uh, a win that tastes like a defeat. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with you that Pochettino is yeah can't can't be the only one at fault. And I think uh, Thomas Tuchel said that really well uh, a couple of weeks ago in an interview, saying that how much he loves being at Chelsea because it's actually easy to manage Chelsea's players. Whether in Paris Saint Germain, you're managing the player, his brother, his agent, and you have a half a politician, half a diplomat, and, and maybe a little bit of uh, of coaching behind that, and, and that can't help. Leo Messi, do you think, um, you know, there's always been this comparison between Messi and Ronaldo, and Cristiano Ronaldo changed club and still performed, you know, maybe not as well as Real Madrid, but in United, he gets a Ballon d'Or, and he goes to Real Madrid, and he gets a few, uh, and then he goes to Juve, and he still wins, and now he's in United again, and he's probably their saviour. And then Messi, the first time he changes club, he hasn't scored in Liga yet. Uh, and he scored three goals in, in Champions League uh, out of three games, but in Liga, five goals, five games, excuse me, uh, and not a goal, not an assist. Um, can he can he do it? Can he actually perform for Paris Saint-Germain? Or do you think the adaptation and, and the fact that the club is definitely not as structured as what Barcelona was is too much for uh, for the Argentinian genius? Yeah, I think that Messi definitely underestimated Liga, and I think that he thought that it would be a walk in the park, and that you know, and 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 that this would all be just a yeah, yeah, like I said, you know, a walk in the park, but it, but it's not, you know, it's not, and uh, I think that I mean, I, I think that very much, you know, he 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 definitely underestimated it, and uh, so so yeah, I mean. I think it's it's very hard to find that balance, especially when you're used to players. You you spent the past what ten years with like being used to people, being used to having players playing for you, you know, and that's something that you know he's he's just going to have to deal with. He's going to have to learn to adapt to, you know. So it's 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 tough. I. I, I mean I'm I, I'm a I'm a Messi fan. I, I like Messi a lot. Um in my opinion, he's the greatest player of all time. But the fact is he's he's been a disappointment at Paris Saint Germain. So I mean and that's one of those things that's like you know, definitely always pisses me off. It's like about um about about Paris Saint Germain. It's like about about this discourse with Paris Saint Germain, you know, it's like uh, oh, Pochettino is the only one responsible. You know, this is just terrible. And it's like, give me a break, okay? You, you like, you realize how hard it is to, you know, like, Messi is not one of those players you can just, like, plug and, you know, put in wherever. People think that he is, but he's not. Um, I mean, I, I think he's incredible, but but to say that it's, it's like, easy as pie to accommodate, Neymar, Messi, Mbappe at the same time. I mean, we had an article that we posted on Breaking the Lines like two or three years ago uh, when, when, uh, when, um, when, when Neymar was linked to a return to Barcelona and said, like, basically, this is why it would not work out. And that <laughs> was like in 2018, you know. So, I mean, that, that really just goes to show you, you know, talking about the, um, 
about how how difficult this is going to be. You know, it's it's not. It really is not just as easy as one, two, three. You know, and I think that accommodating Messi, yeah, that that's definitely going to be a big challenge for him. I think that he definitely isn't used to the physicality of the league. He he isn't used to. I mean, he, he is used to. The, maybe he's not used to the the just the style. You know, so. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's a challenge. It's always a challenge when you move from one club to another, especially when, when you've only known one club your entire career. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's. I think it's not going to be easy. And I think, like you said, Messi, Neymar have grown into their own players who like to almost do the same thing in a team. And putting them together will, will never be easy. To, to wrap up, I want to talk about those two squads that really have impressed in Liga and with two very different styles. Uh, they're second and third on the table. Uh, Lens, that we've talked about a couple of times, uh, Les Saint Ayor from, from north of France. Uh, and Nice, uh, coached by Galtier, who have, who's won the title with Lille, of course, last season, and then moved to Nice uh, to, to do a, a new challenge. Uh, I, I know that you have a, a, a nice spot for, for Lens, that you like how they play, that uh, you do enjoy Jonathan Close onto the, the right wing. Uh, how impressed were you by Les Saint-Ayor this season? I mean, I, I've I've stated for a while just how good this Lens team is, and um, I, I'm I'm a very big fan of it. I, I think that Frank Heis, we Ligue 1 definitely needs more managers like Frank Heis. You know, I think that uh, I think I think he's he's very much really just a, a very a top coach, and um, I I I think that he's done a fantastic job with this Lens side. I've got to give uh, credit to the recruitment as well. Um, I forgot what the exact name is, the the chief scout, but um, but 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 he's done a fantastic job bringing in guys like Chick Ducore, Seku Fofana, um, and Jonathan Klaus, of course. You know, someone who should definitely be getting called up for the France team. <laughs> the fact that he isn't is just just so ridiculous um i mean didier deschamps talking about like la concurrence you know which i think is just ridiculous like what concurrence what competition you know i mean you're talking about guys like leo dubois who frankly could not shine jonathan klaus's fucking shoes so i just think that's it's just typical deschamps you know wanting you know, a big name, wanting somebody who was a star at when he was 22 and not 28, um, which is, for me, one of the reasons why his position should be not in jeopardy, but but definitely looked at, you know. I, I think the fact that guys like the, guys like Klaus or Nkunku aren't being considered, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And it's it's a, you know, whatever. Anyways, um, I, I love this Len team. I think they're probably my favorite team to watch in Ligue 1 right now. Um, Seco Fofana, what a what a midfielder, what a phenomenal midfielder. Um, I was very con- I was very intrigued to see how they would replace Loic Bade, getting Kevin Donso as well as Christopher mm-hmm. Wu. I think that's it's been interesting for sure. They they de- they look like they haven't, you know, they they definitely look like they haven't skipped a beat at all. So, so yeah, the, yeah. The, the sporting director you're you're talking about, Florent Gisolfi, he's he's one of those um, new generation, I guess, sporting director, only 36 years old, uh, used to be at Lorient uh, before 2019 and arrived in 2019 and, and did all those good moves. You know, of course, uh, Lance comes back to, to Liga under him. Uh, and then Seco Fofana was such an interesting move, right? He was shining in Serie A. He had... Inter Milan on him and, and Juventus, you know, taking uh, info. And then he decides to go and sign for a team that was just promoted to Liga. And uh, a season later, he is definitely the best um, midfield in, in the league. Um, Franquez actually gave an interview um, probably about 10 days ago now on a, on a French media, on, on Winamax, actually, the, um, the gambling site. Uh, and uh, and he's talking about his, his 3-5-2. You touched on it um, with Deschamps. Uh, and Franquez is saying that you know he he started playing 3-5-2 because back when he was a coach in Lorient uh, in the reserves he had to put his team in 3-5-2 because that's what um, the first team wanted to play against and so he put a 3-5-2 in uh, and he fell in love with the system because he saw how many um, how many differences you can make in the system and how many 
times you can change basically the animation offensively and defensively. And he decided to stick with it. And we are seeing how successful it is at Lance. It's a tactic that is slowly replacing the almighty 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 um, in the heart of, of football fans and football managers. Um, and in Lance, with close on one side and um, Premislav Frankowski on the other side, it, it works a trick because they are ever so dangerous. You know, 24 expected goals uh, this season for, for 24 goals. They are leading the team uh, in uh, in shots created. Um, they, they are one of the most attractive play uh, team to play. Do you think they can keep that up for a whole season? I mean, they don't play any European games, so they have time to rest. Um, it's going to be tricky. I think that getting to the Champions League would be incredible for them um, because they have not been in Europe for, I think, what was it, 20 years or so? so mm-hmm. time. And I, I think that they will eventually fade away, unfortunately, because uh, as the saying goes, you know, no good things, all, all good things must come to an end or, or whatever. Um, a lot of guys, I think right now, are probably playing above their potential I think they are going to regress at some point. Um, and so, you know, for example, a guy like Florian Satoka, a guy who mm-hmm. I I had no idea who this guy was until like a year ago, but he's done incredibly well um, this season as well as last season. You know, that one of those guys who really, I don't know, who, who sort of, I think has, has sort of just been bouncing around in, for a number of French clubs and finds his way uh, to this team. So I think that um, I think that it's going to be. I, I think that they 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 can certainly get to Europe, and I think that should be the goal. You know, it was a very big disappointment for for them, obviously to to not secure to to not secure European football. You know, um, and and I think they will definitely be trying to to get that again. Um, there's definitely a lot of quality in that squad, though, that and that's what I'll say. And not only that, I mean, I don't think they've been fluking any results under Frank Heiss. I think that they've been, uh, they've they've shown that this is sustainable. That that Heiss has got them playing rhythm. Whereas, for example, I think I think Nice are a team who have probably been getting better results than their performances indicate. Um, which I would say is part of the Christophe Galtier DNA. <laughs> You know, but uh, but but I mean, looking at this Len team, there there is definitely a lot of quality as well. Um, I mean, I'm not. I mean, looking at the guys who are who are not even playing. I mean, I, I think there's what you've got guys like uh, Ganago. Yeah, right? Ganago up front. Ganago, Ganago. He's he's not even. I mean, and that's that's insane that he's not even starting after his fantastic start last season. Um, what Diver Machado? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Um, they really have a, a unique balance, though. Looking at their wing backs, the way they interact, look at you know the, this entire uh, balance. I, I think that they they have what it takes to get to Europe. Champions League, it's going to be very tough, though, because you've got teams like Marseille, uh, Nice, and, and so on that, that are going to be, you know, absolutely very 100% going for it. <laughs> you, you, you touched on Nice, and I guess they are literally at the opposite spectrum of, uh, of playing football than Lance. Uh, Christophe Galtier's way of, of playing is uh, very, I guess, very Deschamps, uh, solid defense and uh, and you know, playing fast up front and when you have Dolberg and Guiri and Delors uh, and, and Stengs and Kloivert and all those players, of, of course, it helped. Yeah. Um, nice, is that a team that you, you'd back up to actually get those results because of that more austere um, type of play? I mean, it worked last year for Lille, for Christophe Galtier. Can you do it again? I think that, I think Nice should be... Definitely, they should be judged on whether or not they get to the Champions League because they brought in a ton of quality into their squad. Um, but with that being said, it's it's very much like it's it's very much I think um, it's it's a process. You know, Galtier first time he took in charge took charge of uh, Lille. You know, he he was tasked with just keeping them up, which he did. 
next season, he he managed to get them to Champions League, which was incredible. And I think speaks volumes to what kind of coach this guy is. And then they regressed a little bit in the in the COVID season. Then they won the title. So I think that um, I think that it's it's going to take some time for for them to adapt. No matter no, absolutely. But um, but with that being said, I I think that there there is a lot of there there's a ton of quality in this team, and I think that yeah, I mean any anything less than you know getting into the Champions League would be a failure in my opinion, um, because look at where Len are in comparison mm-hmm. financially. Look at where you know other teams are. Montpellier only a few points behind them, having sold. I mean, I, when when Montpellier sold like the best. Arguably the best strike duo in Europe within like two days of another. Um, like I was just, what are, what are these guys doing again? Do they think they're gonna like be able to just barely stay up or you know whatever? Like with without these, I was just like befuddled, you know. Um, but hey, give them credit. <laughs> but definitely, definitely one of those, definitely a team w- which you know has has absolutely not been. Has, has not been given the credit um that that they deserve in my in my opinion yeah i agree savagny has definitely taken all, all the load uh, at montpellier after uh, after both delors and laborde left and and delors and laborde left for for nice and Rennes uh to to goal scoring uh, and i agree with nice you know they backed up by uh, ineos of course and and jim Ratcliffe, who's uh, who's got a bit of money the the british billionaire uh, so they should they should be getting results. I think it's uh, it's time. And it's probably why they got Galche because they knew it was uh, it was time to be serious. It's it's time for us to wrap that pod. Zach, I can't yeah. thank you enough for for being here with me and talking about Ligue 1. Thanks for uh, for all your insights. Uh, any any last nuggets that we should know about Ligue 1 that our um, that our listeners should should hear about. Oh, just uh, thank you again for having me on. It was a pleasure. Ligon, very underrated league, I would say. Very much not given the credit it deserves. Um, but I think that, you know, we are one of the few English language channels who are covering that to a good degree. And I'm very glad to have, have this Castel uh, Lelin on. And, and I think that hopefully it gives people an understanding of just how much there is to watch, even if, even if this is a one-horse race. This season, which it very much looks like it will be, um, you know, it's it's a it's a really fascinating league, and it's a fascinating project as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Definitely won't be the last, and uh, a bientôt. A bientôt, <laughs> Zach. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to Casseleline, everyone. Uh, subscribe, rate the podcast. Uh, of course, go and check out. Uh, breaking the lines, the all the articles and, and the other podcasts. Uh, merci beaucoup for listening. We'll be back uh, a, a bit later this week with a, a podcast special Lyon with some uh, Olympic Lyonnais fans that are going to join me. Uh, we'll talk about what Peter Bot has been doing uh, this season so far. And of course, we will preview the Olympico next week, Lyon against Marseille. Thank you very much. Merci encore, Zach. Uh, and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.